Hello. How are you? Right. Well, I'm okay. Um, but it's been a rainy day. First proper rainy day that we've had in ages. I've had my shorts on. I've tried to deny it, but it's happened. Um, even went out in my shorts. Um, I did have a top on. No, you know what I mean. But I did have my hoodie top on. Um, um, and, um, you know, popped out in the car with Sid and the boys. Um, so we didn't get wet or anything, but it was still a bit booksy. Yeah, not in, not agreeing with that. So yeah, we popped out, went to, um, I go to, there's an oriental market, Chinese shop, which is fantastic in Dover, which I love. Um, so go and get some loaded um, Chinese food from there. Um, stock up on that because um, Silly's getting ready to go back to uni um, so um, she needed some stuff and I needed some stuff just before school started um, and then we um, popped to shop and Sid um, I was it was very strange I was buying the um, alcohol but Sid got carded it was most bizarre most strange thing ever so then we had to it was very weird um, and so then we had to come back and get the um, her ID because obviously she's 21 um, and then when we went back and got it got served by somebody else she wasn't even even asked for how old she was I don't know why that she even if I'm buying it, why she was, I don't know. It's most peculiar. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway. Um, and what else happened? I'm just getting really, really for tomorrow for seeing everybody. And um, also my mum and dad came over. And that was very nice to see them. My dad's got new glasses, um, He, which are very... He's completely... Um, blind in his I think it's his left eye so usually you know his glasses have to be quite heavy um, because he, you know the lens for him to be able to see is quite thick um, um, but I don't you know I don't, I don't know if he can see at all out of that eye um, but, um, but actually, um, it's just amazing, because uh, they were really, really light glasses. Um, yeah, but he's got some really groovy glasses now, so it's very nice. But, poor things, they're just going out to meet some friends for dinner in Deal. And can you hear that tap, 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 tapping? Yeah, that's rain. It's really raining really raining so there are three households meeting um so they're having to sit outside um so yeah i've sent them a text message saying i hope you're okay 
because my dad was get, was a bit funky because he was having to put socks and shoes on and trousers because he's been used to just wearing shorts um, and no socks and you know sandals um, so having to put trousers on and socks and shoes he wasn't best pleased um, yeah so I've got a feeling it's going to be quite a short dinner got a feeling then not dad's um, I get my temper from my dad um, which of course means very serene he's very serene right so that's what I've been doing spoke to my sister as well and she's got 14 days left till she comes back which is lovely and um, her lovely cat Jazzy came over to say hello to, to me you know, she always knows when it's me who's talking on the phone, even if she's over in Singapore. Bless her. No cat. And I hate cats, so. Um, and so despite the fact that Herb has put up all the panels so that um, uh, the foxes can't come in, apparently Herb was looking at the window last night and um, the foxes were were walking along the, the walls, I think he said. They're cheekies, aren't they? So I'm expecting them to become abseiling through when everything's all fixed up and stuff, you know. They're like, uh, they're like Navy Seals or something, aren't they? Right, okay, so uh, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to look at 114 with you. So yesterday, oh, what was going on yesterday with Shakespeare? Yesterday, Shakespeare was having a weird one, and he was he was sort of kind of reverting back to childhood. Oh, I just found chocolate on my t-shirt. God, sit, absolutely laugh. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so Shakespeare had reverted back to childhood and wanted the dark Miss Dark Lady to sort of pamper him and treat him like a child. I don't know, I really don't know what's going on with him. I've got a feeling that's not going to work with the Dark Lady. I've got a feeling that's not going to be her cup of tea. So, let's look at 114. Two loves I have. Of comfort and despair, which, like two spirits, do suggest me still. The better angel is a man right fair, the worse a spirit, a woman coloured ill. To win me soon to hell, my female evil, tempteth my better angel from my side, and would corrupt my saint to be a devil. Wooing his purity with her foul pride. And whether that my angel be turned fiend, suspect I may, but not directly tell. But being both from me, both to each friend, I guess one angel in another hells. Yet this shall I ne'er know, but live in doubt. 
tell my bad angels, fire my good one out. So this is very much um, Shakespeare's discussion about the two love of his life, loves of his life. So let's look. Two loves I have of comfort and despair, which two, which like two spirits, do suggest me still. So I love two people. One comforts me, and the other makes me despair. The better angel is a man right fair. Um, the worser spirit a woman, woman coloured ill. Like two spirits, both constantly point me in different directions. The better angel is a beautiful fair-haired man. The bad one is an evil-looking woman. To win me soon to hell... My female evil tempteth my better angel from my side and would my and would corrupt my saint to be a devil, wooing his purity with her foul pride. Rubes, Ruby, can you just put the light on please, darling? For me, thank you. Uh, to help Thank you. To help put me in hell sooner, my evil female tempts my angel from my side um she hopes to make my saint into a devil seducing him to naughty acts in her foul and self-assured way and whether that my angel be turned fiend to set Suspect I may, but not directly tell. And though I can suspect him, there's no way I can directly... I can tell directly whether my angel has turned into a fiend. A fiend is like a... um, A demon, I suppose. But being both from me both to each other's friend I guess one angel in another's hell but since the two of them are away from me and friendly with each other I'm guessing that one angel is with the other and in hell with her Yet this shall, I never know, but live in doubt, till my bad angels, till my bad angel fire my good one out. Yet I'll never know this for sure, instead living in doubt, until my bad angel fires the good one out of hell right so the first thing that I have to say is the word fire here has been sort of underlined because it fire has got this alternate meaning here because it suggests the burning sensation 
of um, a disease. Um, during the time of writing, um, it would have had a this word would have had an uh, an alternate uh, meaning of a sort of a venereal di- disease, um, something that would have been passed on um, through sex. Um, so he's accusing the. Um, the dark lady of passing on some sort of disease however he seems to be quite happy to be getting that disease when you know um and quite willing to sleep with her um just not wanting his friend to get it hmm um but okay so let's so that's what the, that's that's the uh, that's what I have to tell you first about the fires. So till my bad angel fires my good one out, apparently. So sonnet um, 144 is the only sonnet that talks about the two of Shakespeare's love in definite terms. Two loves I have in of comfort and despair. Um, and here we can really see that Shakespeare is worried that um, the fair youth will be won over by the dark lady. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it's possible that that um, the fair youth might just get bored of her in the end. Of course. But the problem is, is that Shakespeare just doesn't know what's going on. Um, and, yeah. Um, and that's really what is driving his mad, him mad. The, all right, so he, he's discussing these two people who he loves. The first one brings him love. And so this is the angel, the beautiful man with light skin. And the second one brings him despair. The worst of the two is a woman with dark complexion. This dark angel tries to tempt Shakespeare into sinfulness. To win me soon to hell. Um, And my female evil tempts my better angel from my side. So, yeah, by tempting the faith away from him. Although, you know, in the the sonnet before, he did say that he could, you know, he could very help, he could actually help her get him as long as she included him. Um... He is worried that she wants to corrupt the fair youth, turning him from a saint into a devil and seducing him and his purity with her foul pride. I would corrupt my saint to be a devil, wooing his purity with her foul pride. Yeah. Now, at the time of writing this, there would have been now, um, my year sevens would know this. 
um, there would have been Christopher Marlowe's Dr. Faustus. It's an amazing, uh, whoops, amazing play. Um, you can find it on YouTube. I shall put a link. Um, it's amazing, really, really good. And it's got this sort of conversation between um, a good angel and a bad angel. And of course, with that, you've got the free will of man um, to make that kind of decision um, about um, where, you know, um, who they're going to follow. Um, and with, you know, freedom of choice um, comes that problem, comes that, you know, comes that initial problem of, um, come, well, comes that problem of, you know, where are you going to get, to go? If, if God gives um, human beings that, prob- you know, that freedom of choice, then some people will make that, that um, decision to go you know to to make that wrong choice and uh christopher marlowe's play is about somebody uh, dr faustus is about someone who makes that wrong choice constantly um and uh, christopher marlowe manages to discuss um whether or not it's actually his real fault because it is of the job of the devil to tempt him so therefore how can it be his fault um so if you get a chance if you get an opportunity i would um watch dr faustus because it is brilliant and it's very very clever um and it's really accessible i will put a link on um it's really clever um and as we know, um, Shakespeare had a real regard for Christopher Marlowe um, and vice versa. So, um, in, in Christopher Marlowe's, um, we had the good angel and the bad angel fighting over the, the hero, the protagonist. But in this sonnet, Shakespeare is focusing on the fate of his good angel, on the fair youth. Um, And, of course, we have the woman being the corrupter. Um, All through this, we have the woman being the evil one and... The um, and the the one who's in control of of all of the where the evil comes from. Um, but this is taking this is taking it to the nth degree because actually the woman is now synom- synonymous with the devil. Um, really in control of um, turning and twisting um, people you know the, 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 the good 
not only Shakespeare, but also the most pure. Um, so, yeah. Shakespeare just... He says, you know, like like we've been talking about before, he says that he is in love with this woman, but he just... I don't see... I just don't see the love. I just see... It's not... It's not true love, is it? It's just a lust for me. It is just a lust and a lot of control. And the fact that she says no. Um, but, um, you know, she, she, he says that, um, but both being from me, both to each friend, how is that? How is that being a good... How is the fair youth being a friend to him? He's... The fair youth is not talking to him and is talking to her. So... You know, I know he thinks that the dark lady has corrupted her... At him, but you know, that is not being a good friend, is it? But he, you know, he just, as well as as um, accusing the dark lady to to be spreading around disease. He's also accusing her of corrupting somebody's moral compass um, and soul. Just don't think it, you know, I think it's just foul. So, yeah. So that's that. It's quite, it's quite clear what he thinks. Um, and we'll see... What happens tomorrow? Um, when we get to one, uh, one, four, five. But guys, we have ten sonnets left. Just ten, so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll te- we'll see what happens to um, Shakespeare and the Dark Lady and um, the Fair Youth. But I am not holding out for some sort of amazing relationship here. It doesn't look great. Now. Uh, we are going to have a look at somebody that I, I think I kind of missed 
so I realised that I missed um, and thought, oh, I must feature them. And this person is somebody called Ezra Pound. Oh, can you hear the rain? It's amazing. Oh, my poor parents, they're going to be just soaked. Um, so Ezra Pound, he's quite an interesting dude. Um, he was born 30th of October 1885, died the 1st of November 1972. Um, that's when I was born, the year, not the exact date. Um, he was an expat American poet and critic uh, and a major figure in the early modernist poetry movement which is is poetry written mainly in Europe and North America between 1890 and 1950 um you know um and it's it's um, it's sort of developed out of a traditional of lyrical expression, exp- emphasising the personal imagination, cultures, emotions and the memories of the poet. So it was essential to move away from the merely personal towards the intellectual statement that poetry could make about the world. Okay. Um, so um, Herbert Reed said of it the modern poet has no essential alliance with regular schemes of any sort he, she reserves the right to adapt his or her rhythm to his or her mood to modulate his or her metre as he progresses so you know you don't have to do it in any particular way basically Right, um, Ezra, Ezra, Ezra. So Ezra was really controversial. Um, However, he did. The reason why he's important, because he worked in London during the 20th century as a foreign editor of several American literary magazines and helped discover and shape the work of contemporaries such as T.S. Eliot, James Joyce, Robert Frost and Ernest Hemingway. I'm not sure if I've featured Dennis Hemingway either, so I'll have to do that as well. He was angered by the carnage of World War One, and so he lost faith in Great Britain. And um, then in, in 1924, he moved to Italy. And throughout the 1930s and 1940s, sort of embraced Mussolini's fascism and expressed support for um, Hitler. Um, wrote um, wrote publication. He wrote for publications um, uh, published by the British fascist Oswald, Os- Oswald Mosley. And during World War Two, he was paid by the Italian government to make hundreds of radio broadcasts criticizing the United States. Um, as you know, as a direct 
uh, result, he was arrested in 1945 by the American forces on the charge of treason. Um, he spent months in a detention um, in a US military camp in Pisa, including three weeks in a six by six foot outdoor steel uh, cage, which he said triggered a mental breakdown. Um, which meant essentially that he was then put into a psychiatric hospital for over 12 years. And then after that, he began to work on this um, this poetry, um, which actually meant that uh, this, this poetry that um, he wrote... Um, actually got awards which met, led to a huge controversy um, eventually he was released from um, the um, psychiatric hospital um, in 1958 and he returned to, to live in Italy but he was always controversial um, and I you know because of because of his political views however I did find that at kind of towards the end of his life there was a bit somebody he said okay later in his life Pound analysed what he judged to be his own failings and as a writer attributable to his adherence to ideological fallacies so basically you know his political beliefs Allen Ginsberg states, um, Allen Ginsberg, Allen Ginsberg, I think, I'm sure he's talked about Allen Ginsberg, um, was an American poet and writer, um, um, so yeah, I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure that we've, Maybe I need to look at Alan Gig. Anyway, states that in a private conversation in 1967, Pound told the young poet, my poems don't make sense. He went on to say that he was not a lunatic, but a moron. And to characterise his writing as stupid and ignorant. Um, Ginsberg um, reassured Pound that he had shown us the way, but Pound refused to be mollified. Any good I've done has been spoiled by bad intentions. The preoccupation with irrelevant and stupid things, he replied. Then very slowly, with emphasis, surely conscious conscience of Ginsburg's being Jewish. But the worst mistake I've made was that stupid suburban prejudice of anti-Semitism. Um, because obviously he had um he'd supported hitler so obviously i think he felt um towards the end of his life that he had made a mistake um and realized that um so um and it's very difficult, isn't it, when you have um, somebody who is famous and has created fantastic work, um, 
but um, it's difficult to um, look at it separately from the work. Um, but, you know, there are lots of people within, um, with, you know, within the artistic world that, um, you know, that, that have produced artistic, uh, that have produced art and, um, you know, that we, that you have to kind of look at the, the work separately. For example, just for an example, you know Michael Jackson uh, wasn't uh, a wasn't a nice man. Um, it turns out, but um, look at his look at the body of um, and brilliance of his musical work. Absolutely amazing. Um, but you know, allegedly look at the the things that he did behind the scenes doesn't stop his uh, musical work being fantastic right okay so um the first poem um that i was going to uh talk to you about is called i'm just gonna get there gonna work come on work um uh it's called in a station of the metro and it's the probably the most famous imagist poem ever written um i'll explain why in a minute um okay and it's okay this is it in the station of the metro the apparition of these faces in the crowd. Petals on a wet black bough. So that's it. So in just two lines, he is trying to capture the fleeting impressions of seeing a crowd of people at the Paris Metro. Um, and he observes that the faces of the crowds of people are like the petals hanging on the wet black bough of a tree. Um, and he's like, he's like saying petals on a, on a bough will not be there forever, just like the faces in the Metro hundred years from now from now will not be belong to the same people um so that is that incredible you know incredibly short poem um and then and it creates a picture that you can kind of see in your mind's eye um and then this one um is called the seafarer um So he was also a gifted translator and many of his own poems incorporate allusions to different literary traditions from the Japanese haiku to ancient Greek lyric and epic poetry and the French troubadours. This 124 line Anglo-Saxon poem is often considered an allegory, elegy, 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 I 
think, since it appears to be spoken by an old sailor looking back on his life and preparing for death. He discusses the solitariness of a life on the waves, the cold, the danger and the hardships. Um, the poem captures the bewitching fascination the seas holds for us, but it also, also its darker, more unpredictable side. Okay, so ow, 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 it's called the seafarer. It's a bit, it's lo- much longer than the other one, obviously. Um, and it's called the seafarer. Bear with. May for I my own self song truth reckon journey's jargon how i in harsh days endured hardship oft bitter breast cares have i abided known on my keel many a cares hold and dire sea surge and there i oft spent narrow night's watch nigh the ship's head while she tossed close to cliffs coldly afflicted my feet were by frost benumbed chill its chains are chafing sighs hew my heart round and hunger begot mere weary mood lest man know not that he on dry land lovest liveth list how i care wretched on icy cold weathered the winter wretched outcast Deprived of my kinsmen, hung with ice flake, uh, hung with hard ice flakes, where hail scur flew. There I heard naught save the harsh sea, an ice cold wave. At whiles the swan cries, did for my games the gannet clamour. Sea fowls, loudest was for me the laughter, the muse singing all my mead drink. Storms on the storm stone cliff beaten, fell on the stern in icy feathers. Full oft the eagle screen, screamed with his spray on his pinion. Not any protector may make merry man faring needy. This he little believes, who I in winsome life abides mid burgers, some heavy business, wealthy and wine flushed, how I weary oft must bide above brine. Neareth nightshade, snoweth from north, frost froze the land, hail fell on earth then, corn of the coldest, naileth there knocketh now the hearts thought that I on high streams the salt wavy tumult traverse alone moaneth away my mind's lust that I fare forth that I afar hence seek out a foreign fastness for this there's no moody loft loftiest man over earth's mist not though he be given his good but will have in his youth's greed nor his deed to the dark daring nor his king to the faithful 
but shall have his sorrow for seafare, whatever his Lord will. He hath not heart for harping, nor in ring having, nor winsomeness to wife, nor world's delight, nor any wit else save the wash's slash. Yet longing comes upon him to fare forth on the water. Bosk taketh blossom, cometh beauty of berries, fields to fairness, land fares brisker. All this admonisheth man eager of mood, the hard heart turns to travel so that he thinks on floods ways to be fair departing. Cuckoo calleth with gloomy crying. He singeth summerward, bodeth sorrow, the bitter heart's blood. Burger knows not. He, the prosperous man, what some perform, where wandering them widest draweth. So that but now my heart burst from my breast look, my mood mid the mere flood, over the whale's acre would wander wide, on earth's shelter cometh oft to me, eager and ready, the crying lone flyer, wets for the whale path, the heart irresistibly, o'er tracks of ocean, seeing that anyhow, my lord deems to me this dead life, on loan and on land. I believe not that any earl wheel eternal standeth, save there be somewhat calamitous that, ere a man tides go, turn it to twain. Disease or oldness or sword hate beats out the breath from doom-gripped body. And for this, every earl whatever, for those speaking after thee, Lord of the living, boasteth some last word, that he will work ere he will pass onward. Fame on the fair earth gainst foes his malice, daring ado. So that all men shall honour him after, and he his loud beyond them remain mid the English. I for ever, a lasting life's last delight mid the doughty days little durable and all arrogance of earthen riches there come now no kings nor caesars nor gold giving lords like those gones however in mirth most magnified Whoever lived in life most lordiest, drear all this excellence, delights undurable, waneth the watch, but the world's holdeth. Tomb hideth trouble, the blade is laid low. Earthly glory ageth and seereth, no man at all going the earth gate. But age fares against him, his faith, face paleth. Grey-haired 
he groaneth, knowing gone companions. Lordly men are to earth o'er given, nor may he then the flesh cover whose life ceaseth, nor eat the sweet, nor feel the sorry, nor stir the hand, nor think in mid-heart, and though he strew the grave with gold, his born brothers, their buried bodies, be an unlikely treasure hoard. short one or the really long one that was tricky that was really tricky but you could really see I could really hear the sea in his description um, but he does like sort of these epic Greek tales as well if you want to get into his poems right my lovelies I'm gonna go um, I think I probably just need to locate my parents and see whether or not they're treading water. I hope you're okay. Um, so I want to say what I want to say. Stay in, um, especially in this weather, but stay in unless you're um, um, doing your exercises and going out. Um, stay in and do your homework. Um, stay well, wear your masks, put on your sun cream not in this weather though um and stay gorgeous if you are in school tomorrow um i will see you tomorrow um so be nice to me um and if not you can get in touch with me um via facebook or via email karen.vanderhoven at turnerschools.com or on facebook uh yeah guys we are on the countdown so i hope you're doing okay guys and i will speak to you tomorrow take care bye bye